I'm so glad to be able to open the Word of God with you this morning. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and today we're going to talk about our resurrection bodies. It's a fun topic, and we're in, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 35. Now, the resurrection of believers is the theme of 1 Corinthians 15. You will remember that the Corinthians accepted the resurrection of Christ, but they were confused and not so certain about the resurrection of believers. And scripture clearly teaches the bodily resurrection of believers to be united with the spirit uh, the, uh, that, that is already in heaven with Jesus. So remember that once we die a physical death that our Spirits are immediately absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And then when the Lord comes back, our, our physical bodies are placed in the grave. They're asleep. And so when the Lord comes back, he will bring that spirit with him, recreate that body, that physical body, and put the spirit and the body back together again. So we will be united. Our glorified spirit will be united with a glorified body. But some of the Corinthians opposed that idea. Um, many of them had their thinking influenced by the Greek culture. The Greek culture partly said that the physical body was inherently evil. So they got it in their minds if they could get rid of the physical body and just float around like a spirit that everything would be fine. Well, that mindset didn't want a resurrection and um, they just wanted to to be better off by not having a physical body. So they wanted to think of a spirit just floating around for eternity with no body. Well, even the Jewish world was confused. They knew there was a resurrection. Um, remember Job that said, though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. So even the Old Testament uh, knows about the resurrection. Uh, he, Job went on to say um, that, that to talk about what it would be like to see God. But some of them taught that the resurrection body would just be the same body come back to life. Um, that your body goes into the grave and when it comes back out, it's exactly like it was when it went in. And so Paul's dealing with a couple of issues here. He's dealing with bad cultural influence from the Greeks, but then he's also dealing with bad theology from the Jews. So when we get to verse 35 of chapter 15, there are two basic questions. Look what he says, verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? So basically he's saying, what it says, how are the dead raised? By what power? How's that going to happen? And then he's saying, with what kind of body do they come? What kind of body is that going to be like? How can a decayed body rise? And what are you going to do about bodies that have been cremated? Or what are you going to do about bodies that have been eaten by sharks in the ocean? How, how are you going to do that? And so they were looking at this and saying, how is that even possible? And so these people were not really looking for truth. What they're doing here is being skeptical 
and poking fun at what Paul is saying. So always it's good to ask prodding questions. It's okay to seek truth. It's okay to ask questions that seek the Lord. But some of these people, even like today, think that they can come up with something like this and find a flaw in Christian doctrine. And that's what these thought they had done. So thinking themselves to be wise, they became fools. So they think they're just really smart and on top of things, and they're sneering at the resurrection. And so basically they're saying things like, surely you don't believe that? Oh, Paul, there ain't no way. You know, how, how, that, that's just not even possible. So in verses 36 through 49, Paul answers the questions. And he has spent the first 34 verses teaching about bodily, physical resurrection. So they just think Paul is foolish for believing such a thing. And so they are not honest doubters. Remember that. So they're, they're basically saying, you know, Paul, this is not even possible. Just tell us how you even think this is even a possibility. And so they were really suggesting that what Paul was saying was kind of a joke. So look what he says in verse 36. You fool. You fool. So he begins to answer them with you fool. Now, where some were denying the resurrection because it seemed undesirable, some were denying it because it seemed impossible. And I don't know that he did, but I can just see the, the apostle Paul throwing his hands up saying, what in the world are y'all thinking about? So you fool can also be translated, uh, oh, senseless one. In our culture, we might say, ain't you got no sense? You know, and so that's what, that's what he's saying here, you senseless one. And he's saying that, remember this, please get this, because they were mocking and not because they were really seeking the truth. So he proceeds to give them answers to their questions. And um, first, he gives us a common illustration from nature. Let's see what he says. Verse 36, you fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Now, um, when you plant a dead seed in the ground, it decomposes as a seed. It must cease to exist in its original form as a seed. Then it comes to life in another form, a plant. Now let me show you something. Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 24. Jesus is answering some people. And Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now there's something we could call one of the laws of the harvest. So uh, what's he talking about here? It's the same principle of life 
but a different form. I wanted to bring you all today a green bean seed. I plant a garden, I've planted a garden. And what do you do? You take a green bean seed and that seed is dead. If you plant a green bean seed that is alive, it's just gonna rot. But if you let that seed die and put it in the ground, what's gonna happen to it? It's going to decompose as a seed. It will form a sprout in the earth when it's watered and the sun comes out. And what's it gonna do? It's gonna shoot up a plant. What I wanted to do was bring a green bean seed and a green bean plant. But do you know what? There's a baby rabbit that has had a feast on my green bean plants and I didn't have one to bring. So I'm gonna have to start over with dead seeds planting in the ground and let it sprout. Now, they're both the same, but they're different forms. So from this dying seed or this dead seed comes new life. Now, whatever seed you sow, you're gonna get that kind of life. If I sow a green bean seed, I'm gonna get green bean life coming out of that plant. What's gonna happen? The seed becomes a resurrected plant. The plant then does what? Goes on and produces more fruit. And so the seed and the plant look nothing alike. Can you imagine if you had never seen a plant or a green bean plant looking at a green bean seed and imagining what it was gonna look like when it became a plant? Or a, another fun one, I planted some beets, a beet seed, funny looking little thing, looks like it's got thorns all over it. A beet seed becoming a huge plant with a beet root on it. But they're the same thing. They're both from the beet life principle. They're green beans are from the same principle. The seed changes radically, but it contains the same life form. There's continuity. They're the same. A bean seed is not gonna become corn, or a beet seed's not going to become a tomato. An apple seed's not gonna produce a peach tree. If you want a peach tree, you're gonna to have to plant a peach seed. And so this is the picture that Paul is painting, uh, painting here because he says resurrection is similar to the planting of crops. The original and final bodily forms have continuity. They may not look alike, but resurrection is not strange or impossible because it happens every day. It happens continuously in the earth. It's going on all the time. It's nothing to God. It's not an impossible thing. You see it every day. You're just not recognizing what it is. So when Jesus was crucified, his earthly body died. It ceased to exist as an earthly body. There was an end to the old before the new could come. When our physical bodies die, there's an end to this body before the new one can come. It's like a, a butterfly and a caterpillar. The old has got to change before the butterfly can come. And so the first body dies to give way to the next. Jesus' resurrection body was radically different from his human body. 
It was no longer limited by time and space. He went on from one place to another without traveling in a physical way. He appeared and disappeared at will. Well, just let me show it to you. Look, look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And let me show you this just for a couple of examples. Luke chapter 24, verse 15. These guys are on the road to Emmaus. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. He just showed up on the way to Emmaus. This is in his glorified body. This is after the resurrection. Look down in verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Verse 36. And while they were telling him, telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. So what's he doing? He's just appearing and disappearing. Now listen to me. This is not magic. This is resurrection body. This is the way the resurrection body works. It's no longer limited. Go on to the Gospel of John in chapter 20 and verse 19. The disciples are gathered uh, in the upper room and uh, it says, When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, they were locked in there. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you, the resurrection body. Now, after Jesus was raised, no one recognized him unless he revealed himself to them. And so he's revealing himself to these people in his resurrection body. But once he was revealed, they were like, well, yeah, he was recognizable. I see that now. I see you. So the disciples recognized his wounded side. He still had the scars, pierced feet, still had the scars. Um, there's a lot of discussion about why he still has those scars. Um, that's for another day, but I believe they're covenant scars. They're covenant scars. And so Jesus' body still bears the scars of the blood covenant that was cut for us. And so uh, they recognized him by those things. They recognized the scars. They saw the scars in his hands. And so at Jesus' return, all resurrection bodies are going to be changed radically. The bodies that are in the earth now will be changed radically. Our resurrected bodies will have continuity with the bodies we have now. Get this, you will still be you and I will still be me. You'll still be you, I'll still be me. There's a continuity. We'll be the dead seed that is planted, but we will be radically changed with the same life. The God who works this process every day since creation will not have any problem doing it with people when the resurrection comes. He is God. If he could speak this whole creation into existence, he can do this. He does it every day. He's been doing it all this time. If you go back to Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word created is an interesting word. It is the word, Hebrew word, bara. And what it means is he created from nothing. 
He created from nothing. Now, if I'm going to create something, I'm going to have to get some stuff to help me create it. If I'm going to create a cake, I'm going to have to get flour and eggs and milk and whatever all. I've got to, got to use other things that are in, in existence. But when God creates, he doesn't have to have anything. He creates from nothing. He created the universe from nothing. He spoke it into existence. Get me. This, this ain't going to be hard for him. He does it every day. So God works this process. And so what else do we, what else do we know about Jesus' resurrection body? What else can we find out about it? It's fun to look at. Uh, he talked. He ate. I really like it that he ate. I appreciate the fact that I think in your resurrection body, if you want to eat, you can eat. But if you don't like to eat, you don't have to. But I like this part. But, but go back with me to Luke 24 just for a second. Let me show you something because um, this is just neat to know. Luke chapter 24 and verse 29. This is after um, the men on the road to Emmaus recognized Jesus, knew who he was, and they said, hey, come on, go home with us. And so verse um, 28, they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he would go farther and their eyes were open, verse 31, and they recognized him. And then on down in verse 39, um, let me see how to get you there. Um, they're talking, look down in verse 35, they begin to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. He showed up. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled and why did doubts arise in your heart? Verse 39, see my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Now we can speculate about this. Um, some people say he had flesh and bones but no blood because his blood was shed. Um, I'll let you work on that in your spare time. But I want you to... Um, to read on with me, um, verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, have y'all got anything to eat? Now, yes. I mean, what would you have brought out? Um, coconut cake, brownies, you know, yeah, let's see what we've got here. And do you know what they gave him? a piece of broiled fish, okay? That's probably all they had. But when I have a celebration and I don't have to worry about cholesterol anymore, yeah, I'm gonna really look forward to a piece of fried chicken. But they gave him broiled fish. What does that tell us though? He ate, he could eat, and he continued to teach. So he ate broiled fish. There's a lot of broiled fish in the New Testament. He continued to teach. In John chapter 21, he told the disciples, where to put down their nets to catch some fish. This is all taking place in his glorified resurrection body. That's the best information we have about what 
our glorified resurrection body is going to be like. So here's what I want you to get. Identity continues into the resurrection body. Identity continues into the resurrection body. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and let's begin reading in verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There's the glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for stars for star differs from star in glory. So is the resurrection of the dead. And so seeing these vast differences in God's creation, we don't have any reason to question his ability to create bodies. He speaks stars into place. He speaks planets into place. He spoke the earth into, into place. He spoke Adam. You, you know, he, he, he started with the earth, the sea, the water. He speaks all this stuff into place. Then he takes some of what he's made and makes Adam. So he says, all flesh is not the same flesh. He is a creative God beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Think about it. No two people are alike. Everything is individual. Even identical twins are not exactly alike. No two stars are alike. No two flowers are alike. No two snowflakes are alike. God's not going to have any problem with the resurrection. Think about this. No matter what you eat, now this is partly good news and partly bad news, no matter what you eat, it converts to you. That would include hot fudge sundaes and brownies will convert to you. In other words, if you eat chicken every day for the next 10 years, you're not going to grow feathers. If you eat a hamburger, you're not going to moo. If you eat a ham sandwich, you're not going to oink. Why? Because those things that are unique to my body make those things me. Now, that's a real problem for evolutionists. But this is what it is. This is what God says. And so no matter what we eat or no matter what our environment may be, we will never change into another form of life. It doesn't happen. If you look at Houseflies grow fast, so you can grow 10,000 generations of houseflies. And you know what you still have after the 10,000th generation of houseflies? A housefly. And that's what's here in this scripture. And so biological codes are binding and unique. And even though there's going to be a change in my physical body, my physical body is going to be recreated into a resurrection body. I've still got my mind, my will, my emotions. Now that's going to be transformed as well. I'm going to know, but I'm still going to be able to think. I'm still going to have my personality. I'm still going to be me. There are terrestrial bodies like animals and plants, and there are heavenly bodies like 
sun, moon, stars, but they're all different. There is no comparison between a flower and a star. Do not underestimate God's abilities in creation, who he is. The first thing we see him as, as creator, a creative being. So the glory of the resurrection body can be infinitely beyond anything we can conceive on earth. It will be as different as that green bean seed is from that green bean plant. It will be as different as a tomato seed is from a tomato plant. Until you see it, you can't imagine it. Now what do we do? We get to the place where we can recognize that's a tomato plant. That's a green bean plant. That's a cucumber plant. Now some people, when they walk into a garden, they just see plants. But those of us who've been there and done that for a while, know a, splash, a squash plant, know a cucumber plant. And that's what happens to us in the resurrection. But God has limitless capability. And Paul says, anyone who says, how can he ever take a decomposed body and get it put back together right? Just doesn't get it. They don't know who God is. They don't know that it's no problem for him to know where every cell of your body still is when that shark ate you. He puts it back together. God can do anything he wants to do, and he can do it any way he wants to do it. And he doesn't have to have anything to work with in order to create it. Seeds and earthly bodies and heavenly bodies and resurrection bodies all have a glory all of their own. The word glory really means manifestation. They show up as that particular thing. So look in verse 42. He's given all of those examples, and that's when he says, he says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. He says, don't be confused. You see it every day. The resurrection of the dead is going to be just like that. You plant the dead seed. It's converted with the same life, same quality of life, same identity, but in a different form. So that's the way he begins verse 42. Then he goes on and he says that resurrection bodies will be different from any kind of glory we've seen before. That's why when Mary Magdalene at the garden saw him for the first time, she was confused and thought he was a gardener. She was seeing a resurrection body. That's why the guys on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him at first. He revealed himself. That's why when he showed up to the disciples in the upper room, they were like, what? And so we just must be so careful not to limit God. We are so limited ourselves. We just assume that everybody and everything is limited. Listen to me. God is not limited. He is not limited in any way. When Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were as distinctly individual as they had been while they were on earth. But you know what? Jesus talked to them. They recognized them. There they were. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are alive as the same persons they were on earth. They are alive today. When Jesus said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's a continuously present 
God, present tense. He is still their God. Now look at the second half of verse 42 here. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable, a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So Paul shows us specific ways in which our glorified bodies are going to be different from our earthly bodies. Look what he says. There are several contrasts here. First of all, the earthly body is perishable. It gets old. It gets weak over a period of time. It gets sick. It is subject to deterioration. And so the moment we were born, we've been moving toward death. And so earthly bodies are mortal. <clears throat> this earthly body is going to die. It's going to change. Every human being is born with a perishable body. So the resurrection body will be imperishable. It won't deteriorate. It won't grow old. It won't fade away. It won't age. It won't grow weaker. They won't know sickness and decay or death. Secondly, he says the earthly body is sown in dishonor. This is the dishonor of death and dying. It's that weakness of death and dying. The human body becomes dishonorable. It was created to honor God, but in the fall, it stopped. It, it prevented that. But it's going to be it's sown in dishonor, but it's going to be raised how? In glory. Raised in glory. We will be everything God intended mankind to be, radiating the glory of God in our resurrection body. He says it's sown in weakness. <clears throat> Nothing is weaker than a dead body. So we're sown in weakness, but when we are raised, there will be no weakness. We will have power that is generated by the very life of God in us. We are victorious. And then the fourth one, he said, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Natural means pertaining to the flesh, life, physical, temporal. So this body, this physical body, is a body that is designed for this life. The resurrected body is a body that is designed for that life. And so um, we move on from there. So we're sown and we're raised. Um, this body is, is not suitable for resurrection life. So what does have to happen? It has to die and be sown so that another body can come forth. A body that is fit for spiritual realm. I read a quote and I failed to um, write it all down, but, but here is the picture. Let me share this with you. A graveyard becomes a seed plot. So when you ride by the cemetery, what you see out there are a bunch of seeds that have been planted in the ground. And it is going to be a glorious 
resurrection field so that when God calls, when he appears in the air, that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised, that seed plot becomes a resurrection field. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord. It will be a body that is fit for the spiritual realm. We give up the earthly, the natural, to have a body that is fit for where God dwells. That's why we can say in heaven, there aren't any wheelchairs. There aren't any hospitals. There aren't any nursing homes. Um, there aren't any um, retarded people, people with depression, people with mental issues. We're changed. We're made perfect the way God intended for us to be. It will be a body where God's glory will radiate from us. Look at verse 45. So also it is written. Now we've been over this a lot in the first part of the chapter. So let this summarize for you. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So from all of Jesus' post-resurrection uh, appearances, we get some idea of the greatness and the power and the wonder of what our resurrection bodies will be like. He was the same, but different. We will be the same, but different. We will be able in our resurrection bodies to do what he did. Um, <clears throat> think about it. Um, we can just appear at the South Pole or in Israel, you know, during, during the times that we're on earth, during that thousand year reign of millennium, that'll be the time to travel, girls. That'll be the time to travel, guys. Because what? You can just go. And you will know for sure where the place is Jesus was born. You will know for sure where the tomb is, where Jesus was raised. You can go check out the volcanoes. You can check out Hawaii. You can check out the waterfalls. Just up here. Won't that be fun? I like to think about the millennium because I think that's going to be cool. And, and so, you know, here we are, ruling and reigning with Christ on this earth, a reign of peace in our glorified bodies. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> 
Acts chapter 1, and we'll begin to pull this together. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The first account I composed, now this is Luke writing, so the first account he composed would have been the Gospel of Luke. He says, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these apostles, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs with the, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power, dunamis. That's our word for dynamite. You shall receive dunamis power, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and that will cause you to be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, continuing to look while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, and they also said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking at the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Wow. The bodies we have now are not our permanent bodies. One day we shall be like him, but we will maintain individual characteristics that will make us know each other, and no two people ever have been just alike. God the Creator, God the Redeemer, God the, re the risen Lord who is coming again and who waits to recreate all of those things that have been winding down since the fall. Let's pray. Lord, give us understanding and give us faith and let us know our hope that is in you, that the best is yet to come. Help us to set our eyes on you and you alone. 
and to know that we become a part of this body, this glorious resurrection body of Christ, that that's not everybody, that's for believers. Those who have placed their faith in Christ and let the lost world around us see what they're gonna miss if they decide that they want to pay for their sins on their own and be separated from God forever. Expand your gospel throughout the world that those will hear and help us who are yours to continue to look forward to the day when you will appear, change us in an instant, and make us ever be with the Lord. I am so grateful to pray in the name that is above every name, the King of kings and Lord of lords, creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. Amen.